You're listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes, a production of the Ephesus School Network. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. The company of the angels was amazed. Hi, this is Father Aaron Warwick with Jason Everett, and you are listening to the Teach Me Thy Statutes podcast, episode number 118. Today's reading is from Acts chapter 17, verses 19 through 28. In those days, the Athenians took hold of Paul and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new teaching is you present, for you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. So Paul, standing in the middle of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by man, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all men life and breath and everything. And he made from every nation of men to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their habitation, that they should seek God in the hope that they might feel after him and find him. Yet he is not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. To begin today, Father, perhaps you can just briefly describe to us uh, what is the Areopagus so that we have a little better context of where Paul was and what he was doing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, The Areopagus was a place that both held trials, and we aren't sure, but it appears Paul may have been on an official trial here in Acts 17, but also a place where philosophers gathered to discuss and debate. So either way, whether he was forced to be there or whether he was there by choice, the Areopagus was a place ripe for Paul to give this little sermon about God and his Messiah, Jesus. He certainly would have had ears willing to hear his apology, his defense of his faith and his beliefs, his philosophy, to put it into the terms of the audience by which he lived his life. Good, good. Appreciate that summary. So now turning to today's reading itself, uh, in the opening, I found it interesting that the Athenians ask Paul about, quote, this new teaching and uh, the strange things that he brings to their ears. It just strikes me as yet another example of how radical the teachings of Jesus were at the time and still are today. Uh, any thoughts on this, Father? Yeah, you know, absolutely. There are perhaps two different things to discuss in your question. The fact that they mentioned this new teaching on the one hand and then the strange things on the other. And of course, there's some relation between the two, but we can, we can talk about both. Okay, so, so let's start with uh, this new teaching. What does that mean? Well, the Athenians, I'm sure, were at least somewhat familiar with the Hebrew Bible, what we call the Old Testament, by the time of Jesus and then Paul. You're well past the Jews having been dispersed throughout the Roman Empire, so it's almost inevitable that some of these people at the Areopagus at least had been in contact with some Jews. And also by this time, of course, you have the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible. So the people there to whom Paul is speaking are likely at least somewhat familiar with that. But of course, what they're likely not familiar with is this Jesus of Nazareth, whom Paul is proclaiming as the Messiah. Of that, they almost certainly had not heard. So to them, this proclamation of Jesus as the Messiah is then this new teaching they reference. 
And and this this has to be the point at which there is that uh, overlap that you mentioned, where this new teaching and the strange things come together. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because this new teaching is something entirely unimaginable to them. As you said, it's it's completely radical to them. And I don't want to repeat everything that we discussed on our last episode, though I, of course, recommend people listen to it if they haven't already, because I went into a little bit more detail there than I will here. But to summarize, this new teaching of Paul is radical because he is glorifying someone who was crucified. He's glorifying and preaching one who was seen in this world as being weak, who was humiliated on the cross and treated as a traitor and an enemy of the state. So yes, you know, entirely radical to them to proclaim this man as the Messiah. I know you talked about this from a broader perspective on our last episode, Father, but maybe now you can just give us a little bit more about uh, why these specific people uh, to these Athenians that Paul's teaching was so strange. Well, the gods of the Greeks and and of the Athenians would not have been at all like Paul's god. Uh, Those gods didn't really deal with human beings in such a direct fashion. They certainly would not have submitted to human beings and and, uh, to human suffering as did Jesus. They would not have been humiliated by human soldiers on a cross or be seen as a disgrace, uh, as a curse before us mortals. And then finally, on, on this issue, I would point out that these gods of the Greeks, of the Athenians, would not have cared in the least to raise up us human beings, to care for the poor and needy among us, to uplift them and bless them as did Paul's Jesus. So for sure, Paul coming into the Areopagus and proclaiming this crucified Jesus as the true and only begotten Son of God would have been extremely strange. To the Athenians, the cross was a weapon used by the Romans for humiliation and disgrace and defeat. So therefore, to proclaim that a person who was punished in this manner was the one who showed us the true way would have not only been strange but laughable to them, as, as Paul even mentioned himself in 1 Corinthians one twenty three. To preach this Christ crucified to the Greeks was to them seen as, he says, quote, foolishness. And then how about today, Father? How is Jesus' teaching still radical in our time, in a time that has been so influenced, as you pointed out, by the Judeo-Christian tradition? How is Jesus' teaching uh, still radical to us today, and, and how is it still foolishness to us? You know, so you're right. As I said, there's there's much about our values and ideals in Western civilization that have been positively influenced by the Judeo-Christian scriptures, and most especially uh, in their culmination of of Christ's crucifixion. But we're human beings, and so just because we have values or ideals doesn't mean that we live up to them all the time. In fact, quite the opposite. As, as Paul himself said, he often ended up doing those things that he did not want to do and not doing those things that he wanted to do. And as the prophet said and Jesus quoted, we often honor God with our lips, but our hearts are far from him. So today, Jesus' teaching, of course, is is still radical, and I've mentioned this frequently in the past, that Christ's teachings go against our basic biological instincts. And so although we claim to value, and in, in a certain extent, uh, we have set up our institutions, at least theoretically, uh, to keep this in mind, but we still often fall back to the level of basic biology, and basic biology tells us to do what we need to do to survive. And so if someone mistreats us, our instincts tell us to either strike them back or to flee the famous fight-or-flight response. But the gospel tells us 
that if someone strikes us, that we're to do neither. We're simply to turn the other cheek. In the Bible, we're told to do everything that is possible, to live at peace with all men. In Scripture, we're counseled to forgive others, not because they said that they're sorry or because we've assessed that they deserve it, but simply because God was gracious to us first and forgave us. All of these things cut against the core of our biological being, every instinct that's within us until we're corrected and repeatedly trained otherwise. All of these instincts tell us to go against these scriptural teachings. For example, you can find any child who's struck by another child who does not strike back, run away from the situation, or stand there and cry for help. We have to train our children to make peace and reconciliation. It's not natural, biologically speaking to us. It's not something we're born with. Uh, thanks for your that assessment there, Father, and for those reminders. So moving along to the end of today's reading, Paul goes on to address the altar to the unknown God, and he then lays out his case for Christ. I'd like to read these last few verses again and then ask you to comment, Father. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by man, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all men life and breath and everything. And he made from one every nation of men to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their habitation, that they should seek God in the hope that they might feel after him and find him. Yet he is not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. Any comments on that to end today's episode, Father? I think my primary comments would be twofold. First, what Paul is arguing here sounds very much like the scriptures, most especially some of the psalms. We sing one of these psalms occasionally at our festal matin services in what we call the polyelios, which means uh, many or much mercy, and gains its name from the final song of the polyelios, in which each verse ends with the refrain, for his mercy endureth forever. In any case, what Paul is saying here in this defense is akin to Psalm 115, which is part of the polyelios, and it's similar to other psalms as well that speak of the beauty of God and his revelation through nature, through creation. And then finally, what Paul says here is quite reminiscent of his argument in Romans 1 and 2 specifically, that God's glory is manifest in creation, in the beauty of this planet and all its inhabitants. And Paul is pointed out that even the Greeks, the Gentiles who did not have God's direct revelation through Scripture, as did the Jews, even they perceived this, as he argued in Romans 1 and 2, and he points out to them that he knows that they know which is why they have this altar to the unknown God. Thank you, Father. In today's reading, we find Paul in the Areopagus, a place that held both trials and was where philosophers gathered to debate. And standing among the Athenians, Paul is asked to explain this new teaching and the strange things they have heard. Father Aaron discussed the radical nature of Paul's teaching, this message of Christ crucified, which Paul stated in 1 Corinthians was foolishness to the Greeks. Paul was glorifying someone who was seen as weak, convicted of treason and humiliated on the cross. This preaching was especially strange to the Athenians as their gods were not at all like Paul's God. The Greek gods would never have submitted to human beings and suffered as did Jesus, nor would they have cared for the poor among us or care to uplift them and bless them as did Christ. And so this radical teaching of Paul in the first century continues to this day. 
While our values and ideals have been heavily influenced by the scriptures, we often fall short as we honor God with our lips, but our hearts are far from him. Finally, we close with Paul pointing out to the Athenians that they have already perceived the truth of his message, understanding that God's glory is manifest in creation as evidenced by their altar to the unknown God. Thank you for listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes. We hope you tune in next week for a new episode. Alleluia, glory to the O God. Alleluia, 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 glory to the O God.